Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. You've got to understand both sides of the, the table, and that's the challenge, I think. This is a key and very useful insight from today's guest mentor, Dr. Paul Thambar, because there's so much opportunity in doing this from both our perspective as practitioners and academics alike to help both of us better navigate and learn the best path forwards in these times of unprecedented change. And some of the key areas that Paul and I deconstruct on today's episode around some of the unique experiences he's gained from crossing over to what he calls the dark side of academia, some ideas on how we can perhaps close the gap between academia and business, and Paul shares some very interesting research around perhaps taking a more qualitative rather than quantitative approach to performance measurements that he's been working on with some others in some mutuals and cooperative organizations. So look, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, you can check out and find the timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Paul at sitnshow.com. And we also really appreciate when you recommend the show to your colleagues and your friends. We love hearing their stories of how they found the show. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And we really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Paul and the show. So, so Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Andrew, and thank you for having me. Uh, look, it's our pleasure having you, Paul, and you know you were recommended by a previous guest mentor as well on the show. That's always a good sign, a good start. And and some of our audience, uh, like we do on the show, may not be as familiar with your story in accounting and finance. So would you mind maybe sharing with us a brief synopsis of your journey in accounting and finance, please? Sure. So I'm what I would uh, refer to as a hybrid. I've uh, been uh, an industry uh, practitioner for around 20 years, working in uh, accounting uh, and finance roles, mainly in financial services, so banks, uh, insurance companies, uh, funds management companies in Australia. I am SEMA qualified, and so I'm, I'm basically a management accountant, but uh, have worked in a, a range of different roles, including um, the early uh, stages of business partnering um, and, and sort of more uh, in sort of strategy uh, type roles or towards the end of my uh, time in industry. And then I had a bit of a, a career change, and uh, the last uh, 10 years or so, I'm in, in academia. I uh, decided to uh, cross over to the dark side as someone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I've always, always had an interest in uh, acad- academia in the sense of I wanted to be intellectually challenged, which I found was getting less and less as I moved into more senior roles in, uh, in business. And I then decided to make the switch. I had been doing some casual teaching uh, I went and did an MBA uh, in one of the business schools and 
during that time, I made some connections and people said to me, look, we need people like you uh, with business experience in academia, in business schools to, to talk to our students, to, to go into organizations, to look at how accounting is practiced. Now, are you interested? And my initial reaction was, you know, well, I am, but I don't think you can afford me. I mean, you know, I can't afford you. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, you know, give us a go, you know, let's see what we can uh, come up with. So they did came, come to the party. Sort of. I mean, I had to take maybe a, a small uh, cut in uh, pay, but uh, it's it was worth the, the journey, I think. But, you know, doing a PhD almost sort of uh, stuffed me because it is an intellectual challenge uh, in more than uh, what I thought what it was initially. But now I'm having a ball because you can uh, pretty much do what, you, what I was doing before. I go into organizations all the time. I'm talking to... Uh, CFOs and just sitting on the other side and not having the stress and strain of what they're going and just just investigating what they do and you know writing about it. Well, actually, uh, interesting enough there, Paul. The way you're painting that picture, right? You just got I just got this picture in my head of um of a load of accountants and finance professionals that are rushing to quit their jobs and go into academia themselves. But I suppose if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it, right? So, so um I suppose. But you mentioned the word challenge a few times. Yeah. It's also being willing to be uh, challenged. I think a lot of us talk the, the talk, but we don't necessarily walk the walk. I mean, it was, a, it was a huge risk for me in many ways to move across. Uh, I mean, you know, in the initial conversations, they didn't sort of uh, put the, uh, the PhD on the table. But once they realized that I was serious and they sort of had hooked me in, they sort of casually dropped it on me one day saying, look, uh, by the way, you know, if you come over, you will have to do a PhD because that's a basic uh, uh, qualification that you need to have in a business school. And uh, I had to go away for a few days and actually have a think about it, you know, <laughs> because this PhD uh, after having, I mean, you know, while I do a fair amount of reading and keeping in touch with things, you know, doing a PhD is going to another you know, whole new level. It's just, it's a journey. So, yeah, so not everyone will, uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea, as I've uh, realized over the years, as people have said to me, you know, oh, how do you do this? I want to do this, you know, initial reaction, you know, I want to follow the same path. And I said to them, fine, but here's the path, you know, it's not all glory, <laughs> hard work. And yeah, so. Yeah, because um, I, I just didn't want to sort of, um, look, I appreciate, like, you're, you're really enjoying it, and I can get that from your from what you're saying, your tone of voice, it's 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 been the right path for you. I just I just I think that for some of our audience, it's not an easy option. I don't, I think there's probably this perception that because people are still in industry, that um, they're sort of having to deal with a lot of the politics and 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 all the latest disruption that's going on. You know, academia is not a not an easy road either. I do want to sort of to come across like that, and I do want to actually go into some of delve into some of what the, the exciting things you're looking at as well, Paul. But before yep. that. I did actually sort of have a question around, I suppose, when it comes to, um, you know, you've seen both sides of it, you, you know, the expression hybrid. With all that disruption, digital, uh, the pressure on um, finance and accounting to evolve, I mean, where, where can the academics out there help those in industry and vice versa? I mean, what, what, how, can we, how can we get the most out of each other is what I'm saying. That's a great question, Andrew. I wish I had a, a perfect answer. I think I'd be able to make a, a few million, you know, possibly with. <laughs> so 
Um, I'll tell you the uh, the perspective, uh, my perspective from just uh, the Australian scene, and then we'll talk about the global scene. In Australia, I think uh, there's been quite a sort of a, a gulf between academia and business. Now, for a number of reasons. Um, a lot of academics basically have, well, business academics have no concept of what happens in an organization. And that's because, you know, they've just come to, you know, uh, they've done, uh, you know, the undergrad, they've done an honors year. They may have done some internship, uh, you know, may have spent a couple of years, you know, with one of the accounting firms or consulting firms or in industry. And then they come back, they uh, do a, a PhD and then they are academics. And a lot of them who work more quantitatively do their research by going into databases and you know, getting, collecting uh, you know, accounting data and running an integration model. And, and they write to uh, a community that is just you know, people like themselves. So they don't really understand what I refer to as the empirical phenomena. So to give you an example, I, I have, uh, sat in uh, research seminars where people are talking about, uh, say, something to do with uh, financial accounting, you know, uh, maybe a concept like earnings management, which is where, uh, which is a practice, you know, where every organization manages its earnings. So if you, if you optimize your tax, for example, that is earnings management. So I'm sitting at these seminars and they're talking about these things. And I say to them, hang on. Yeah. So what? Every company does this. What, what's new here? And they look at me sometimes. And in fact, I, I, I caused a bit of a stir once because uh, I had a, there was a guy who was talking about doing some work around tax, uh, tax, uh, tax, uh, something to do with tax. His, his, uh, his research was around tax. And they were talking about earnings management. They weren't talking about earnings management. And I said to them, hang on, one of the ways you manage your earnings is by aggressively managing your tax expense. Talking about you know uh, tax minimization and and sort of uh, you know research around that, but you haven't mentioned anything about this. Just a throwaway comment at the end of a seminar, they opened up a question, you know, and then I, I ran into the guy a few uh, days later, and he said to me, "You bastard, uh, the language, you know, you know, why didn't you keep your mouth shut?" And I said, "Why?" You know, I, I mean, I knew him quite well, and he was a bit of an older guy as well, so he was also sort of someone who had come back to sort of do this as a as a as a sort of a second career. And he said, oh, you know, that bloody question that you asked was so good that they have now asked you to do more work to find out, <laughs> you know, why we haven't looked at them. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm sorry, you know, but you know, I just asked the obvious question. So, you know, the, the, the challenge is that uh, a lot of our academics don't really understand this. You now that is changing. That is changing because universities are for, to have impactful research uh, conducted. So, you know, things are changing. But also on the on the business side, you know, we are we are very lazy. We are lazy thinkers. We think that we are very you know uh, deep thinkers, but we are not. I mean, the thing that used to you know frustrate me was the fact that you go into a meeting in business and they'd be talking about the presumably uh, uh, you know a meeting call to discuss a, a particular problem, a strategic problem. 
and they are they are talking about the symptoms and then when you want the real problem they say hang on all right we've spent 10 minutes discussing the the problem now i want a solution and i want it yesterday and i want it to be no more than three steps and i look at the the person chairing the meeting saying hang on we haven't discussed the problem we've discussed the symptoms maybe but not all the symptoms let's think about the problem and let's break it down let's really you know now we got to get a solution because upstairs want a solution you know within a week so you know business is also very uh, reluctant very short term focused it's all about you know what can i do you know today to fix uh, fix my earnings for the for the next quarter you know so there is that so there there is problems on both sides now that's the australian uh, scene i think things are improving because both sides are realizing that they need each other but there's still a long way to go now i think the relationship is a bit different i think in the us for example uh, you know the relationship is much closer most business school academics uh, you know do a lot of work with businesses uh, the relationship is much closer i think in europe i'm not sure in the uk i think we are is pretty similar to us i think to, to a large extent i'm not sure how it is in your part of the world uh, in continental europe my sense is there there's a bit more uh, collaboration happening between the two but we have a long way to go we have a long way to go in getting the two sides together how, how do we yeah i think exactly. uh, you know i think we have to uh, we have to do you know a research that is useful impactful uh, and i've got a couple of examples that i can share with you uh, uh, about uh, what we are doing i think uh, business needs to be more uh, uh, engaging the business needs need to uh, you know um, uh, be interested in so people say to me for example you know when i do workshops uh, one of the questions you get asked is you know okay with budgeting so how can i improve the process how can i get people engaged you know and i say to them well there's nothing new here you know we've known how to work with budget budgets there's uh, you know 60 years of research since the 50s on not just the technical aspects of budgeting but also the soft side of budgeting as we call it. how do you get people to participate how do you motivate how do you but you get asked you know questions around okay how do i get people to do it? because business doesn't spend the time you know going through the literature or look at the literature i mean frequently when i run a workshop i will ask i will actually put up a a paper of mine and say okay this paper and i recently did this at a at a, at a master class i published a paper in uh, accounting organizations and society which is the number one uh, uh, management accounting uh, journal in the world by academic journal in the world elsevier publishes it i said how many of you have read this not one hand went up there were about 120 people in the room i'll tell you i'm not surprised <laughs> Uh, how many academics have read this probably about 20 academics would read this so this is the challenge we have so how do we get research out onto platforms that uh, uh, um, practitioners will access so we're looking at things like you know linkedin obviously is one platform there are other platforms that we are publishing uh, stuff in if you look at my email see below my email signature there's a there are links to articles that we have written and put on uh our 
uh, what we call Monash Impact, which is a, a, an online journal aimed at uh, industry practitioners and written in, uh, in a way that you know, is, is easily consumable by, uh, by practitioners. So there's a lot of, lot of things that we can do together, but there needs to be willingness on both sides. So I'll just pause there and just see whether I've answered your question or whether you have. No, it's, it's, it's actually, no, I've heard this, but I actually had no expectation as to what, where the answer would go. But no, no, now that, you know, you walked us through that, I actually, I actually get it. I can sort of see it in our own finance world here that um, we're great at making excuses about being so busy with all the various cycles we have, you mentioned budget, but then there's the reforecasting, there's all the closes, there's there's providing decision support to people to uh, to make decisions yesterday. There's the, the various initiatives around automation and digitization and outsourcing. So so we're constantly just going without, I mean, how many of us are actually taking time just to do the basic reflection, reading, um, space to think and... Uh, and yeah, no, I'd never really thought about accessing academic journals in, in in that way. I mean, I have to say, I probably don't read as much as I used to when I was starting out in the profession. So, um, so no, some some really good points there. Actually, Paul, there there was something I know we talked about previously. I'd love to 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 sort of pick your pick your brains on a bit more, which was this um, thinking. I think you were saying around uh, the. the the various challenges around quantitative measurement and qualitative measurement, the fact that nowadays, um, you know, we, we sort of have a fair understanding of financial indicators, but there's other sort of pressures being put on not just finance but other other teams out there uh, to sort of measure things that are a bit more maybe more difficult. I mean, would you mind maybe sharing some of the work you've done in that space around yep, qualitative yep. and quantitative measurement? Yep. So uh, we've just finished uh, with, with uh, uh, four other colleagues, uh, one of whom is from uh, the Warwick uh, Business School in the UK. Uh, we have just finished a, a two-year study uh, for a whole sector, uh, mutuals and cooperatives. Uh, you, know, you come across these organizations, uh, organizations that are not, uh, don't have shareholders, but they have members. Uh, so they could be uh, agricultural cooperatives. They could be uh, uh, retail cooperatives. I mean, one of the bigger biggest cooperatives in the world is uh, uh, Rabobank, a uh, very successful uh, mutual bank, uh, but you know, founded and and run on cooperative principles. So these are organizations that are not just uh, uh, out there uh, trying to achieve commercial objectives. They also have a, a social uh, purpose and objective. So we have done a, a study of these organizations uh, in Australia, uh, uh, funded by uh, uh, the sector themselves, because they came to us wanting to develop a performance measurement framework that would allow them to capture the value, the total value that they feel they create which cannot be uh, entirely captured in the accounting numbers they are reporting. So for example, uh, if you are a, a road mutual, uh, these are organizations that uh, will come, uh, uh, come and help you if your car breaks down in the middle of the road, so probably have them there as well, right? Uh, yeah, so 
Now, these organizations, they don't just uh, provide uh, commercial services like, uh, uh, you know, um, road, road, uh, road assist, roadside assistance, as they call it. Uh, so in Australia, for example, if you are, whether you're living in a regional area or whether you're living in, in a city, major city, the cost of roadside assistance is the same. You pay the same amount. Clearly, the, the cost of providing the service in, in a regional area, and I don't know whether you know much about Australia, but in Australia is a fairly big country. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the, whole of, <laughs> the whole of Western Australia, the landmass of Western Australia is bigger than Europe. That's crazy. So that gives you a sense, you know. So if you if you if you're stuck in the middle of you know whoop whoop, you know you're gonna be you know stuck unless someone comes out like one of these roadside mutuals. Now that doesn't mean so that therefore they are not just providing a commercial service; they are also providing some added value. Now, how do you capture that? Or if, for example, if they lobby the government uh, to improve uh, safety on roads, for example. How will you measure that? The impact. You can measure the input, you can measure the output, but how will you measure the impact? So we have basically gone and looked at what these organizations do. They, they operate across multiple sectors. And we have developed a framework that allows them to measure the value that they create. And when we say measure, we are using the term very broadly not just in quantified, but also in, in qualitative ways. So if you think about performance measurement, the first thing you've got to know is what are you trying to measure? What is, what, I, what is the underlying phenomena that you're trying to measure? Hmm. Yes. You've got to work out what are the dimensions of that phenomenon? Because that is also part of measurement. Now, re the reason we have in accounting, we have we measure revenue costs and then we break it down is because we are trying to, we have developed over 500 years, we have developed the dimensions of accounting performance. But if you go back 200 years and look at uh, the literature, you will find they were arguing about, you know, what is profit? Why is this profit? Why is revenue minus cost profit? Where so these things take granted now, right? You know, like whereas, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we are having these conversations now around the sort of the non uh, the, the non accounting uh, areas of performance. So we have developed this framework, which we are now uh, going to be presenting uh, at the uh, at the main industry conference for this sector in in a couple of weeks in Perth, where we will have a room full of uh, CEOs uh, from these organizations. There's about two thousand organizations, but there were only. Uh, 13 organizations involved in our study, but there's 2,000 of them across uh, the, the country. So they're going to be sitting there listening to our, uh, our you know, presentation of our findings and the framework that we have come up with, including measures, uh, both quant and qualitative measures. We have field tested uh, this framework with three of the organizations that were working with us. And they have sort of uh, found that the framework can be worked. So it's a generic framework that can be customized. So through that process, what we have uh, developed is we have uh, developed uh, uh, six dimensions of performance that where they are creating value. 
we have then uh, helped them define that. We have helped them, uh, you know, think of uh, sort of uh, performance objectives uh, for each of those dimensions, which again, they can customize for their own purposes because a mutual bank is going to be different to a, an agricultural cooperative, is going to be different to a healthcare insurer, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a, there's a diversity of uh, people uh, in, in this sector. So in terms of the measures then, we've, uh, we've sort of said, okay, there are the traditional accounting measures that you can work with. There's also the traditional non-accounting measures. And what I mean by that is uh, things that we have worked with for some time, things like customer, uh, customer satisfaction, uh, staff engagement. You know, we have, there are a whole range of non-accounting measures that we have sort of, you know, at this point of our development, we are quite comfortable. We know what it means. We know how to uh, get the data to, to do the measurement, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. yes, yeah. But what about more out, of, out there type qualitative um, uh, measures, so like a, a testimonial from yes, a member of a customer, yes, uh, like a, a story or a case study. Now, how do you make that uh, type of measure uh, something that is... Uh, that has the features of um, representativeness uh, mm -hmm. uh, is indifferent to whether you're telling uh, a good story or a bad story. So that's a, one of the frequent complaints you get about qualitative measures or, you know, you can only the good stories. True. Yes. So in accounting, you can't, right? When you, if, if, if you have classified something as revenue, whether it goes positive or negative, that is revenue. You've got to report yes. that. You can't change it. So how do you develop rules around that? And that's what we are, we are sort of developing, uh, we have developed some uh, uh, sort of uh, knowledge around that. And, uh, but there's more work to be done in those areas. So uh, that's, that, that's an example of, of some of the work that we are doing. So now this study also provides an example of how we have actually worked with industry where we are really having, an, I mean, they gave us $600,000 to do this study because they were tired of going to the big four and getting the same, uh, you know, cookie cut, uh, you know, uh, yes. that is, doesn't uh, meet their requirements. It is not customized to their business uh, needs, doesn't take into account their, their business model, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, This is a great example, great example of where we are working with a sector. They came to us. I mean, it, it's a, it's a quite a, uh, interesting story in terms of how you know they found us you know and we are the first accounting uh, uh, academic team that they have worked with they gave us money uh, in fact the CEO of our industry partner always tells me you know I don't know Paul you know you worked your magic on our, on my board I have never seen them fund uh, a research project and they do a lot of research with other academics uh, other other disciplines. I haven't seen them fund uh, uh, anyone like, like the way they funded you guys. You know, no questions asked. We put it on the table. You know, this is what it will take us to do this over two years. And they said, basically, yep, where do we sign? So it can be done, but you've you, you got to, but you've got to work. You've got to work with, uh, you know, you've got to understand both sides of the, the table. And that's the challenge I think that, some of my academic colleagues have that they don't uh, have that ability or the experience to understand the other side.
and 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 and, and as as do my uh, industry colleagues who don't uh, have an appreciation of, of academia yeah i know i i i think we're based on the discussion paul like i know personally i i i taking away from this is is definitely to to start setting aside a bit more time to to keep up to date with papers out there and I, i'll ask in a minute sort of maybe some tips on how, how to do that but uh, i'm also encouraged that uh, boards out there are seeing the value in in measuring value and getting better at that and understanding impact better so that's that's a real positive uh, and i look forward to keeping up to date in terms of how those developments are going i suppose i do want to fire some quick questions at you as well paul trying to be respectful of your time um, yeah. You've been giving us some great advice there so far. I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you feel you've ever received, Paul? My mom always said to me, don't wait for the phone to ring. You pick up the phone and make the call. He meant was, don't expect uh, people to come looking for you. If you want to do get something done, you go and make it happen. So I that advice, you know, I've always been proactive. I'm trying to get my son, who is, uh, you know, just sort of, you know, you know, in a, in a different era or altogether in mindset, trying to get him to sort of, you know, work that. But, you know, his approach at the moment is, you know, no, dad, you know, if someone wants me, they'll, they'll come looking for me. And I said, no, man, it, it won't work. It doesn't work like that. you got to make, you know, you got to make your success to some extent. So that was one advice that I've always followed. And, uh, you know, you know, I've always sort of, uh, in fact, some people would say that I'm a bit uh, too pushy at times, but you know, that's, that's you know, the reality. You know. <laughs> well, no, no, but I mean, no, it, it, it's work for you. I have to say now, like it's, um, I know it's a similar challenges with my own uh, kids growing up so quickly. I just feel like if we, if we don't go out there and um, and try, you know, make it happen, the the world will pass us by. Things are moving so quickly, and it's. Uh, all those great experiences and, and things we could go uh, participate in, we, we would miss otherwise. So, um, you know, but, 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 um, but actually I wonder, like to yourself, you made that point. It, you know, is, they, is it that it's a different era now? Is it a generational thing? I mean, I think that's a golden rule, but I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Paul? Uh, I think... Um... I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess this is a fairly, uh, I'm going to be uh, making fairly generalized uh, comments, but I think uh, what I see now is uh, uh, the hunger and the passion maybe uh, coming out differently in the, in the, in the younger generations. Uh, it's not to say that they're not passionate, they're not uh, hungry, yeah. not eager but i think uh, it's different it's different they are not uh, necessarily focused on just climbing the ladder they are uh, more uh, inclusive i think they are more interested in uh, uh, doing things that not just make money but also uh, uh, sort of you know have a bit of a social uh, you know impact they are they are a bit more uh, laid back when it comes to sort of uh, allowing others to find their own way as well. I mean, in the old days, if you were working in a team and, you know, someone was, uh, you know, lagging behind, you, you got in and, you know, 
give them a bit of a, a, a kickstart, maybe give them a <laughs> kick up the backside. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, I think I, I think that you know is done differently now. I, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Andrew. I mean, I, you know, I think uh, you know, there's still a lot of uh, young people that I see who are quite committed and are quite passionate and you know, quite focused on climbing the ladder. Uh, but again, you know, the ladder. You know, I, I say to my students as well. You know, it's not just vertical; it is also horizontal. Great. Yeah, I, I have gone horizontally, you know, and a lot of people don't do that now. That's more challenging, I think, to go horizontally. And you may not get the same sort of perks that you might find if you just go up vertically and end up as a CEO or a CFO. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, if I look at my career, I've just gone horizontal. I've gone from, you know, fairly senior roles uh, in finance across to strategy type roles, across to operational roles, across to consulting roles. And then into academia, and I have found that journey uh, very rewarding. In fact, uh, probably more rewarding than uh, some of my uh, uh, colleagues and friends who have sort of just kept going up you know, the vertical uh, line. You know, I've had uh, a few of them actually say to me towards the end of their careers, uh, or, or, or as they've sort of uh, you know hit that you know sweet, they've sort of said, "Oh, you know, I wish I'd sort of you know added to my skills, you know, and broadened my skills." The way you've done it, you know. So it's 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 always a choice, I guess, you make. And sometimes, every time you make, a, so the problem that people forget with decision making, you know, you frequently you hear the the statement, "We are all free to make decisions." And I, yep, you're free to make a decision, but what you're not free is about is you can't choose the consequences. So I have the choice to step into the middle of uh, a busy road. That's my choice. I cannot choose the consequence of being either hit or not hit, but <laughs> that's bearing down on me. Yeah, so yes. people forget that. people forget that. So I always say to people, "Yep, you are free to make decisions, but be aware that you are not free to choose the consequences." That's, yeah, that's very poignant advice. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, particularly in this stage of very rapid change, you know, yeah. I, we're, we're put in position to make decisions and. And also, thanks for calling out the horizontal path as well. I think that's often underrated. And I think for those looking for meaningful experiences, I think there's a greater breadth there. If you go horizontal, I think it's many more opportunities. And that, and that should really that should really feed into this whole debate we have yes. around exactly. you know finance uh, business partnering, right? Because this is a, to some extent about going horizontal. But I think a lot of times people want to go horizontal just to get some ex- broader exposure before they can go go up uh, hierarchically, vertically. Yeah, I got, well, I, do, I definitely think there's a win in it, definitely. And, um, and Paul, look, um, you know, in terms of the conversation, you mentioned various things. Would there be any sort of, re- uh, you know, a few you know, resources you might recommend our audience go check out? Well, certainly read academic articles whenever you can. I mean, that's one thing I would recommend. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems an advantage for us the way you lined it out. Like, I don't think enough of us are doing it. So it could yeah, be, yeah, be a comparative yeah. advantage there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the business schools these days, they've got uh, uh, online platforms where they are turning the academic articles into more practice uh, practice uh, friendly articles so that you can actually read stuff. As I said, you know, <laughs> just uh, see the, just check out the couple of uh, articles that I have got below my signature. You'll, you'll get a sense of it. 
Um, in terms of books, there's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of uh, books that, uh, uh, see, the, the best type of books I would suggest is read books that which have been written by academics, which, are ba- which is based on research that they have then written into uh, into a, an accessible sort of uh, book. So, for example, the study that we've done, the two-year study, one of the outputs that we are planning to have in the next couple of years is a is a book where we turn the research and the findings into uh, a book that is is easily accessible by uh, practitioners. And there's there's plenty of examples of those sort of sort of books around. You know. <clears throat> for uh, academic for, for practitioners particularly, I would recommend a book uh, written by a guy called Cal Newport, and the title of the book is called Deep Thinking. Oh, sorry, Deep Work. Deep Work. Yeah. I think that's a great uh, uh, book. Again, that's, uh, that's based on a, a lot of research. And it's, it's really, uh, I think, uh, just, uh, just the, the, the title of the book itself sends a, a clear message to uh, practitioners that they really need to think more deeply about uh, the issues and challenges that they are faced with. Yeah, well, well to, 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 you know, to be frank about it, Paul, I mean, I, I think I, I, I sort of remember bits of that book, you know, trying to stay away from the shallows or whatever, but I do think, you know, that that's a defining quality to be human. We've been given this ability to think, so let's go use it. Um, and, yep. and particularly, I like the, the idea of reflection as well. Um, mm. So... So look, that, that's a great recommendation. I'm going to put uh, some of those points into the show notes. I suppose if any of our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably active. I'm not a sort of, I don't post uh, every day, but they, they can contact me there or they can contact me through uh, the website. You know, if they, if they Google me or Google me, they'll come up with my... Uh, Monash uh, staff profile and there's my emails there as well so email is fine awesome awesome paul thanks yeah. for those and 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 i suppose uh, look we've, we've covered a number of different areas particularly how how we could probably get a bit closer from practitioners and academics bridge that gap a bit we, we touched on the performance measurement qualitative and quantitative and also mm. very great very good point about horizontal versus vertical um, uh, opportunities you know in terms of our audience would you maybe have any other parting thoughts before we, we wrap up mm. well I think um, the um, it's a great time to be a, a, a finance practitioner I think because uh, you know we are uh, seeing a, a lot of change that is coming through in in a whole range of organizations. I go into uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and I can see the the, the change that is happening in their world you know, in terms of technology, in terms of uh, capabilities, in terms of uh, the the wicked problems that you know we are faced with, uh, problems that require collaboration across uh, organizations, across uh, ecosystems. And it requires uh, a fairly uh, structured, uh, you know, deep sort of uh, uh, thinking, the uh, analysis, 
uh, and, a, and a, a longer term view of things uh, if we are to actually get uh, on top of some of these uh, uh, challenges and, and also work with the, the technology and the opportunities that it creates you know, to help solve some of these uh, big challenges and problems. So I think it's a great time to be a finance professional, but I, I would uh, I certainly encourage uh, uh, folk to uh, be more, uh, to, be, to become more, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what's the word, considered in the way they actually approach things. Um, I do despair sometimes when I look at uh, what's going on on LinkedIn. There is a lot of uh, uh, superficial stuff, a lot of stuff just regurgitated, uh, not really, you know, stuff, I mean, stuff that is uh, proposed as new knowledge or new things, but really not new. I'll give you an example, driver-based budgeting, you know, you'll find there's a whole range of people pushing driver-based budgeting. You know, we've been doing driver-based budgeting for 20 years, nothing new there. You know, now if business hasn't captured or hasn't got on top of it, you know, then that's a problem. But that's an that's a that's an example of where we don't think deeply and, and, and carefully and and put in place the right solutions uh, to problems that are well known. So yeah. And, and actually, and actually, just just on that one, Paul, I, th- I think that's a great way of wrapping up because the whole premise of the show, the strength in the numbers, I do feel. Within, within our profession, whether it be on the, the practitioner side or the academic side, we do actually have a lot of the answers to steer us through mm. all the, the, the changes going on, the challenges, whether it be trade-wise or technology-wise or whatever. You know, I mm. do feel we have them. It's just, you know, if we maybe shared a bit more and talk with mm. each other a bit more and I cut through some of the, um, the, the, the sort of the claims that have been made down and, and mm. down to the brass tacks as to what really works. And I appreciate each environment might be different, but the basic steps, uh, we, we could break it down and keep deconstruct it down to those, which is what we do in the show. Mm. Um, I think, I think we've, uh, we've a much better chance mm. of a meaningful future. So, uh, so Paul, I mean, really appreciate, sorry, go on, uh, saying, yeah, go on, you're saying. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And so just on that, um, Point, Andrew. I mean, one of the things that I would like to see, uh, you know, uh, happening is uh, uh, more of forums, uh, you know, yes. conferences, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, online forums, whatever, where we can get academics and practitioners to uh, to uh, interact and engage. Uh, and I don't know how we can do this, but, you know, I'm certainly uh, very interested in being able to, uh, you know, encourage some of these things to be set up. I mean, I don't think we see enough of that. You know, we all go to conferences, you know, the academic <laughs> academic conference, you know, the practitioners go to the, the practice conferences, the professional. That's a really good point. Yeah. Professional associations, you know, uh, have annual conferences all over the world, you know. But a lot of this, you know, is really, you know, it's, it's, uh, Segregated. See, I saw this work very well in some research I did a few years ago in the cotton industry here in Australia, where uh, there's a whole array. There were in this. I mean, uh, uh, growing cotton in Australia was a, had, had some really massive challenges, and they were over a long period of time. They worked with uh, a lot of scientists, agricultural, uh, you know, science uh, uh, people to help uh, set the industry up. And, and what amazed me was that you would find that their annual conference, 
that you would find a room full of, let's say there might be, I don't know, 200 uh, cotton uh, farmers sitting and listening to uh, an ag scientist uh, from one of the uh, universities talk about uh, latest research and, and some of their findings and, and asking questions and challenging. I mean, you know, it was just amazing, you know. And I used to always think, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could have this at the beginning of town where, you know, you had a, uh, you know, a conference where you had, you know, the, the top 50 companies, uh, you know, the CEOs sitting there and listening to, uh, you know, uh, you know, the latest accounting research or, 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 or business research and, you know, you know, challenging and integrating and, you know, and having a discussion with, uh, with academics. That's I think you've something. That's the picture I always had, you know, but <laughs> worked out how to get it going from both. So, and I raise it with academics. They say, oh, you know, industry is not interested. You know, they're too busy doing their own thing. When I raise it with practitioners, they say, oh, you know, why would I come and listen to academics? You know, they, they don't know the, their front end from their back end. You know, I mean, so you get that. Well, uh, <laughs> well you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe that's where we lay down the challenge for audiences to engage, engage with you and engage with others, and, and see if we can figure out a solution to this one. Mm. Uh, mm. No, definitely. Paul. So yeah, yeah, I just put that on the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. <laughs> so, 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 Paul, again, thank you so much for being a great guest and investing your time coming on the show with us today. No worries, Andrew. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.